Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. It's time to get cozy in bed and listen to tonight's story. Our sleep story tonight is the first part of the remarkable rocket. The prince and princess are going to be married, and there are going to be fireworks afterwards. The fireworks are chatting about the couple and romance and such when the rocket cuts in. He feels that it is lucky that the prince was to be married on the same day he is to be set off. The other fireworks say that they think they are being set off to celebrate the prince's marriage. But the rocket feels differently, and he goes on to start to tell us why. But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now close your eyes if you'd like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in. And breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths. How you get more and more relaxed with each breath how the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in. And breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, thoughts of the day or the day to come may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing, to the story, and music. Breathe in. And breathe out. Perfect. Let's continue with The Remarkable Rocket, Part 1. The king's son was going to be married, so there were general rejoicings. He had waited a whole year for his bride, and at last she had arrived. She was a princess and had driven all the way from Finland in a sled drawn by six reindeer. 
The sled was shaped like a great golden swan. And between the swan's wings lay the little princess herself. Her long cloak reached right down to her feet, and on her head was a tiny cap of silver tissue. And she was as pale as the snow palace in which she had always lived. So pale was she that as she drove through the streets, all the people wondered. She is like a white rose, they cried, and they threw down flowers on her from the balconies. At the gate of the castle, the prince was waiting to greet her. He had dreamy violet eyes, and his hair was like fine gold. When he saw her, he sank upon one knee and kissed her hand. Your picture was beautiful, he murmured, but you are more beautiful than your picture. And the princess blushed. She was like a white rose before, said a young page to his neighbor, but she is like a red rose now. And the whole court was delighted. For the next three days, everybody went around saying, White Rose, Red Rose, Red Rose, White Rose. And the king gave orders that the page's salary was to be doubled. As he received no salary at all, this was not of much use to him. But it was considered a great honor and was duly published in the Court Gazette. When the three days were over, the marriage was celebrated. It was a magnificent ceremony, and the bride and groom walked hand in hand under a canopy of purple velvet embroidered with little pearls. Then there was a banquet, which lasted for five hours. The prince and princess sat at the top of the great hall and drank out of a cup of clear crystal. Only those who felt true love could drink out of this cup, for if false lips touched it, it grew gray and dull and cloudy. It's quite clear that they love each other, said the little page, as clear as crystal. And the king doubled his salary a second time, what an honor, cried all the courtiers. After the banquet, there was to be a ball. The bride and groom were to dance the rose dance together, and the king had promised to play the flute. He played very badly, but no one had ever dared to tell him so, because he was the king. Indeed, he knew only two songs— and was never quite certain which one he was playing. But it made no matter, for whatever he did, everyone cried out, Charming! Charming! The last item on the program was a grand display of fireworks, to be let off exactly at midnight. The princess had never seen a firework in her life, so the king had given orders that the royal pyrotechnist should be in attendance on the day of her marriage. What are fireworks like? She had asked the prince one morning as she was walking on the terrace. They are like the Aurora Borealis, said the king, who always answered questions that were addressed to other people. 
only much more natural. I prefer them to stars myself, as you always know when they are going to appear. And they are as delightful as my own flute playing. You must certainly see them. So at the end of the king's garden, a great stand had been set up. And as soon as the royal pyrotechnist had put everything in its proper place, the fireworks began to talk to each other. The world is certainly very beautiful, cried a little squib. Just look at those yellow tulips. Why, if they were real crackers, they could not be lovelier. I am very glad I have traveled. Travel improves the mind wonderfully and does away with all one's prejudices. The king's garden is not the world, you silly squib, said a big Roman candle. The world is an enormous place, and it would take you three days to see it thoroughly. Any place you love is the world to you, exclaimed a pensive Catherine Wheel, who had been attached to an old deal box in early life and prided herself on her broken heart. But love is not fashionable anymore. The poets have done away with it. They wrote so much about it that nobody believed them. And I am not surprised. True love suffers and is silent. I remember myself once, but it doesn't matter now. Romance is a thing of the past. Nonsense, said the Roman candle. Romance never dies. It is like the moon and lives forever. The bride and groom, for instance, love each other very dearly. I heard all about them this morning from a brown paper cartridge who happened to be staying in the same drawer as myself and knew the latest court news. Suddenly a sharp, dry cough was heard and they all looked around. It came from a tall, supercilious-looking rocket who was tied to the end of a long stick. He always coughed before he made any observation so as to attract attention. Ahem, ahem, he said, and everybody listened except the poor Catherine Wheel, who was still shaking her head and murmuring, Romance is dead. Order, order, cried out a cracker. He was something of a politician and had always taken a prominent part in the local elections, so he knew the proper expressions to use. Quite dead, whispered the Catherine Wheel, and she went off to sleep. As soon as there was perfect silence, the rocket coughed a third time and began. He spoke with a very slow, distinct voice as if he were dictating his memoirs, and always looked over the shoulder of the person to whom he was talking. In fact, he had a most distinguished manner. How fortunate it is for the king's son, he remarked, that he is to be married on the very day on which I am to be let off. Really, if it had been arranged beforehand, it could not have turned out better for him. But princes are always lucky. Dear me, said the little squib. I thought it was quite the other way, 
and that we were to be let off in the prince's honor. It may be so with you, he answered. Indeed, I have no doubt that it is. But with me, it is different. I am a very remarkable rocket and come from remarkable parents. My mother was the most celebrated Catherine Wheel of her day and was renowned for her graceful dancing. When she made her great public appearance, she spun around 19 times before she went out. And each time that she did so, she threw into the air seven pink stars. She was three and a half feet in diameter and made of the very best gunpowder. My father was a rocket like myself and of French extraction. He flew so high that the people were afraid that he would never come down again. He did, though, for he was of a kindly disposition, and he made a most brilliant descent in a shower of golden rain. The newspapers wrote about his performance in very flattering terms. Indeed, the Court Gazette called him a triumph of polytechnic art. Pyrotechnic? Pyrotechnic, you mean, said a Bengal light. I know it is pyrotechnic, for I saw it written on my own canister. Well, I said polytechnic, answered the rocket, in a severe tone of voice. As I was saying, continued the rocket, I was saying, what was I saying? You were talking about yourself, replied the Roman candle. Of course, I knew I was discussing something interesting when I was so rudely interrupted. I don't like rudeness and bad manners of any kind, for I am extremely sensitive. No one in the whole world is as sensitive as I am. I am quite sure of that. What is a sensitive person? said the cracker to the Roman candle. A person who, because he has corns himself, always treads on other people's toes, answered the Roman candle in a low whisper, and the cracker nearly exploded with laughter. Hey, what are you laughing at? inquired the rocket. I am not laughing. I am laughing because I am happy, replied the cracker. That is a very selfish reason, said the rocket angrily. What right have you to be happy? You should be thinking about others. In fact, you should be thinking about me. I am always thinking about myself, and I expect everybody else to do the same. That is what is called sympathy. It is a beautiful virtue, and I possess it to the high degree. Suppose, for instance, anything happened to me tonight. What a misfortune that would be for everyone. The prince and princess would never be happy again. Their whole married life would be spoiled. And as for the king, I know he would never get over it. Really, when I begin to reflect on the importance of my position, I am almost moved to tears. If you want to give pleasure to others, cried the Roman candle, you had better keep yourself dry. Certainly, exclaimed the Bengal light, who was now in better spirits. That is only common sense. Common sense indeed, 
said the rocket indignantly. You forget that I am very uncommon and very remarkable. Why, anybody can have common sense, provided that they have no imagination. But I have imagination, for I never think of things as they really are. I always think of them as being quite different. As for keeping myself dry, there is evidently no one here who can at all appreciate an emotional nature. Fortunately for myself, I don't care. The only thing that sustains one through life is the consciousness of the immense inferiority of everybody else. And that is a feeling that I have always cultivated. But none of you have any hearts. Here you are laughing and making merry, just as if the prince and princess had not just been married. Well, really? exclaimed a small fire balloon. Why not? It is a most joyful occasion, and when I soar up into the air, I intend to tell the stars all about it. You will see them twinkle when I talk to them about the pretty bride. Ugh, what a trivial view of life, said the rocket, but it is only what I expected. There is nothing in you. You are hollow and empty. Why, perhaps the prince and princess may go to live in a country where there is a deep river, and perhaps they may have only one son, a little fair-haired boy with violet eyes like the prince himself. And perhaps someday he may go out to walk with his nurse, and perhaps the nurse may go to sleep under a great tree, and perhaps the little boy may fall into the deep river and be swept away. What a terrible misfortune. It is really too dreadful. I shall never get over it. But this has not happened, said the Roman candle. No misfortune has happened to them at all. I never said that they had, replied the rocket. I said that they might. If they had lost their son, there would be no use in saying anything more about the matter. I don't like people who cry over spilt milk. But when I think that they might lose their son, I certainly am very much affected. You certainly are, cried the Bengal light. In fact, you are the most affected person I have ever met. You are the rudest person I have ever met, said the rocket, and you cannot understand my friendship for the prince. Why, you don't even know him, growled the Roman candle. I never said I knew him, answered the rocket. I dare say that if I knew him, I would not be his friend at all. It is a very dangerous thing to know one's friends. You had really better keep yourself dry, said the fire balloon. That is the important thing. Very important for you, I have no doubt, answered the rocket. But I shall weep if I choose and he actually burst into real tears, which flowed down his stick like raindrops and nearly drowned two little beetles who were just thinking of setting up house together and were looking for a nice dry spot to live in. He must have a truly romantic nature, said the Catherine Wheel, for he weeps when there is nothing at all to weep about. And she heaved a deep sigh and thought about the deal box. 
And that is the end of this part. Good night. Sleep tight. <laughs>